Coming up on Chasing the Natty, we're continuing Dynasty Month, and once again, the inmates are running the asylum. I am Justice, and joining me today is the one and only Chris, the CFF QB Whisperer K. We are both part of the Campus to Canton CFF team, and today we will break down some important transfer portal news, as well as impact freshmen for the 2023 season. All this and more coming right after this. Junior touchdown! Marvelous Mark! Ball next to the outside, drop down from Franklin! Oh, majestic! Touchdown! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. Welcome, Mr. K. How are you doing today? I'm good. I uh, am humored by uh, Jared's like serious, dramatic voice at the end of that little <laughs> blurb. Isn't that great? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I think I had to have someone else do that for me. I don't think I could do it myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, how's it going with you, man? How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, but I was out of town all last week. Came back Friday, so just getting back, settling back in. Yeah, I played some. Yep played some golf this morning so i can't complain that's what i was doing last week playing golf so definitely always a good time when you do that yep all right uh so before we get into the show um just want to kind of go over uh the spiel as jared calls it every week if you want to support what we are doing here for college fantasy football make sure you go over and subscribe to the campus to canton website where we have all sorts of written content, tools, and everything you need for CFF, C2C, Devi, and even college IDP fantasy needs. Um, and we got more stuff coming your way. The Devi Guide just released the uh, the first of the month. The Supplemental and Freshman Guide uh, was released back in um, was it March 1st, I think. And um, that guy is excellent if you're in a CFF Dynasty League. Um, I would definitely per- get that guide. Um, and then the CFF Guide... Uh, we are currently vigorously writing on that. I think we're almost done with all the team previews and the go live date for that, I believe, is somewhere around 1st of July. Yeah, I think July 1 is the target date, which I feel like the pace we're at, we should be pretty good there. Absolutely, yeah. So once we get done with the team previews, we got some player profiles to write and um, we got to finish our rankings. I was I was working on my rankings today. I have not updated them since the ranking summit yeah I, jared wanted it for us to be done by like the end of may so i was like whenever i get a free minute i try to like poke around and look maybe look at like what other people have just i just don't want to like miss somebody there's just so many players that uh, I, I fear that i just don't even have someone on the board that i just completely forgot especially as we get deeper into the amount of people being ranked you know you can do a top 20 and be fine missing a guy but if you do yeah. like a top 60, it's a you get a little scared. Well, like for me, like I think the, the hardest part for me ranking, and this is the first year I've done rankings, is there are guys I just don't like that I'm never going to draft. And so I have a very hard time ranking those kinds of guys because, I mean, maybe they deserve to be a top 10 guy, but 
I'm never going to draft him as a top 10. So it, it's hard for me to kind of eliminate my own personal strategy from rankings, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is tough. I think people go about it a different way, too. Like some people look at it like, well, where would I draft them versus maybe, you know, where they most likely end up versus, you know, their potential. Like there's so many different ways to look at it, upside floor and all that type of stuff that I think it varies person to person. But I think we all do a good job of, of speaking, speaking to our own personal reasons when we uh, did those rankings and stuff like that, the summit and stuff like that. Absolutely. All right. Uh, make sure you like and follow the show um, on Twitter and um, on YouTube. So at CFF Jared on Twitter, at Chase and Natty on Twitter. And on YouTube, uh, Jared has a goal of reaching 1,000 subscribers by the start of the season. So please subscribe uh, to Chase and Natty on YouTube. And like, uh, subscribe, follow, and leave those five-star reviews wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, I think that's the major ones. Um, and last bit of housekeeping here, shout out to the CFF team at Campus to Canton. Uh, Jared Palmgren, Nate Marquise, Chris K, Brandon Sanders, Chris Moxley, Ethan Sowers, Justin Volume Pigs, and myself, Justice. So the, the first bit of uh, what we want to cover today is some uh, important transfer portal news. There we go. And this is just kind of covering the news from the last week. So the first player is Keon, Keon Coleman, wide receiver, going from Michigan State to Florida State. Um, I don't really know how I feel about this from a CFF. I don't know that it changes how I would rank him personally i mean yeah he went from number one to probably a more competitive wide receiver receiving room yeah i think travis has improved as a quarterback but i don't know if that offense is going to ever pass it enough uh especially maybe like around the goal line and things like that like with benson being a huge running back and travis being utilized around the goal line i wonder about touchdowns the thing is, right. like, and Johnny Wilson, Johnny Wilson, who's huge, right? Like, if you're gonna throw it to a guy in the end zone, you're gonna throw it to the dude that's like six seven. What is he like six seven two forty six like seven? That. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think the offense is just not gonna be volume heavy enough. But the thing is, right at Michigan State, like he was, he was set for a better season than what he's probably gonna have. But there's a lot of question marks at quarterback, so he could easily just get bad quarterback play, and he would have been. A dud there so I think this is one of those situations where it's probably better for him in terms of like NFL you know in development but not great for us CFFers yeah like there's just so many mouths to feed there like we said with Wilson uh, you got Jaheim Bell you got uh, Morlock the other tight end and um, the and, and the running back Benson so plus Travis right and Travis is a runner as well and so I agree. Your touchdowns are not going to be easy to come by for him unless he's, you know, catching a deep ball and just taking it all the way. Yeah. Where, what were the other schools that were like in on him? Was it like just LSU basically and Ole Miss? I thought, I thought Auburn was. Is that right? Right. I think it was like for a half second that he shot the rumor down that he was. I mean, like there. he listed like what 50 schools like two days later. Um, yeah. So I'm not really sure which ones were more serious. 
Um, Ole Miss, I think, would have been a better spot as far for as sure. yeah, I think that would have been a better spot all around, like for NFL and for uh, his fantasy outlook. But um, yeah, LSU, I think both both of those would have been better. You know, LSU, you kind of have like the same. It's probably near identical to FSU in terms of offense, but I think Daniels can maybe help with uh with right just hit to be him and neighbors so and, less a little less competition yeah and, and if somehow nussmeyer was to be the quarterback at any point then he'd become a, a big time option you know neighbors especially right now right because he's the, actually the receiver there but if another guy were to join us so you really need nussmeyer to be the quarterback but doesn't i mean obviously it doesn't seem like that's going to happen this year no sadly it's it's not and all my uh, shares of Nussmeyer. I'm, I'm a little sad about that because I feel like he's the better quarterback, but you know, sometimes that's not how it plays out. Yeah. I have a ton of both of them. I have a ton of Daniels and Nussmeyer and like these uh, best balls I'm doing. I was hoping that Nussmeyer would transfer, but he didn't, but just a super cheap handcuff, I guess. I mean, Daniels seems like a, a great play in a best ball league. Um, I think the only place I own him is in a C to C league that I inherited him. Um, so, all right, next up is Alton McCaskill uh, going from Houston to Colorado. So I think on the surface, everyone thinks this is great um, because Colorado needs needs bodies. They need players. Um, I guess my, my concern is I think people think what people think is going to happen is not reality in that, you know, Colorado is bad. Um, they're going to be behind. They're going to have to be throwing the ball a lot. Um, their offensive line's terrible. So I just don't know that, you know, he's going to get the production that people think he's going to get um, at Colorado. Yeah, for me, it was – I like the fit, generally speaking, but the concern would be the game script is probably always going to be against them, right? Like, they're probably going to win three games. Like, it, you know, the, if, if you want to try to find, yeah, if you want to try to find like the positive to it, the competition's pretty thin, so we should get a ton of snaps. Absolutely, opportunity, opportunities there. Um, and he had 21 catches his true freshman year, which you know, as a true freshman, and he's a bigger guy, if I remember correctly. Like that's pretty. I mean, 21 catches is pretty good. So maybe continue to develop in that game script. He can get some easy check down, you know, receptions. Um, you. I don't know. They got to score a lot of points and I, he'd be good around the end zone. I had a ton of touchdowns at Houston, but I just don't know how consistent that offense is going to be. Like you said, with the bad offensive line. So I like it. I mean, I, I wouldn't go overboard on it. This is definitely one of my more favorite ones that we'll talk about today, as well as just in the whole transfer portal whole season. But I, I think people probably will be overdrafting him. Like you kind of alluded to. Yeah, and and like I like the spot. I think it's a, it's a great spot for him. I just I, I just fear that, like you said, people are gonna put more faith in it than it really deserves, and and they're gonna draft him higher than he should be, because um, the defense is bad, the offense is offense is bad, other than a few skill players. And hmm. I mean, I I guess I can see him getting a thousand yards, um, but I don't know that I'd see you know much higher than that. You better get a lot of touchdowns and catches if he's going to – thousands, obviously great, but you got to have some other things on top of it. You know, you might see the exact opposite of what he did in 2021 where he scored – like every time he touched the ball, it felt like. Yeah. And, you know, maybe 
you know, maybe that's not the you know case this year. So, and then they might be working Dylan Edwards in in the passing game instead of him. So, who knows how much of that work he'll actually get? All right. Uh, so the transfer portal taketh and the transfer portal giveth. Uh, the next is Tony Mathis, running back, going from West Virginia to Houston, where uh, McCaskill just left from. And I, act- I actually like this one. And you know, last year I think we saw that. Houston didn't really, in my opinion, didn't really have a replacement for McCaskill after he got hurt. Um, And so I think the opportunity is there for Mathis to come in and and be that uh, RB1 there for them. Um, I don't, you know, at West Virginia, he was going to be second fiddle to Donaldson. So I think this is clearly a better opportunity for him and and more value uh, for CFF folks for him as well. Yeah, I'm curious about this running back room. Um, I think it almost feels like they wanted last year to have kind of like a, a bell cow type, a bunch of touches and they, they just didn't have there. the, and they just, yeah, they just didn't have the people to do it. Um, it's, will be an interesting offense, man. I, if Donovan Smith flakes out, then this could be a really bad offense. Um, you know, they have talent out wide, but. You know, if you if you have a bad quarterback and your best running back is Tony Mathis, like it doesn't matter who you have at receiver. Like this, this this could go downhill quick. I'm not super thrilled about it. I mean, if you have Mathis for some reason already on your team, like this is definitely stock up. Um, there's definitely potential here. Uh, he should be drafted in all best balls and stuff like that for sure. It just feels a little bit. I'm just not necessarily sold that he'll. He'll get the the Dana full set of carries that you know he probably wants to give. Yeah, he's probably like seven eight hundred yard range. I'm guessing somewhere in there. Um, and then you got Donovan Smith too, right? Who could vulture goal line? He's going to run a bunch. You know, at Texas Tech, they ran him a good bit. They even like what created a couple packages for him at the very end there before yeah. he left. So, you know, maybe. Maybe we see kind of like a similar FSU, LSU type offense where Donovan gets like 150 plus carries and then they kind of just feed or, you know, feed the running back room as a committee. Yeah. Donovan Smith, someone I'm really high on. I, I, I think he's underdrafted. Um, Agreed. Yeah. His I upside think, is potentially insane. I think uh, I, I, he, he was one of the two quarterbacks on my, uh, my guy list. When I responded to your uh, tweet last night for this coming up season, so yeah, um, like you said, if if Donovan can produce like he's capable of, I think it can be, you know, a, a somewhat successful year for Mathis compared to where you draft him, right? Because you're getting him at the very end of drafts. Um, so, you know, he's he's someone that could fill in for bye weeks, right? He's not going to be an every week starter, but I think he has that at least that potential to be a a bye week filler for you. Yeah. And in like a best ball too, where you don't have to obviously set your lineups, you know, he's not a bad flyer at all because there is a route to him being a really good running back, you know, and that is Dana trusts him enough to give him 15 to 20 touches a game. And Donovan Smith's a good quarterback. Now all of a sudden that team's scoring 35 plus a game. Yep. And you want that guy that's going to get 20 touches or 15 plus touches. So, and he's decent enough in the past game. I think he had like, you know, he didn't get a ton of action last year, but he still had like 10 to 15 catches. Like 
he's definitely a little bit handsy. You know, he's, he definitely has the ability to catch the ball. So, you know, I know Dana likes to throw it to the running back a little bit too, because I, I feel like I remember McCaskill having some nice, like three, four five catch games. Yep. Yep. So. All right. Uh, next Logan Diggs, following his uh, former head coach from Notre Dame to LSU. Um, I expect he's going to be the RB one there. Um, I don't know how much, I don't know what that means in terms of production necessarily, but um, you know, last year they were starting Josh Williams, who I think at one point was a walk-on um, at LSU. Um, and so, you know, they do bring in uh, the freshman Caleb Jackson, um, John Emery's still there. Oh gosh. Uh, Noah Kane's still there. Um, there's a lot of bodies there, but I don't, you know, the fact that Josh Williams was their number one RB last year, it kind of signals to me that Diggs is going to move into that slot, that spot. I think he's the most talented for sure. It feels like a couple of these guys that we're going to talk about today, all they're kind of in the same boat of like it's crowded running back room. Don't necessarily know if they're actually good running backs. Um, like Tony Mathis, I can't tell you if he's really a good running back. Like, is he going to be just college football good where he gets volume and is decent enough? I'm pretty sure Diggs is really good. Like, not like blow you away NFL type, but like from a college standpoint, I think like he's very, very serviceable, very quality running back. The problem is Daniels, right? Like, yeah, you know, you have you're battling two things with Diggs is uh, Daniels is going to get 150 plus carries. And there is that potential for, you know, for a, a bunch of different running backs getting carries. Josh Williams last year, I like Josh Williams. I was drafting him a bunch really late in best balls because, I mean, he had four different games of 14-plus carries. He had 20-plus catches. So, like, you know, this offense will definitely use your running back, but it's just so sporadic. You know, he'd run it 17 times, and then he'd run it seven times. Um, he did that twice. So it's, I'm just like very curious what uh, Brian Kelly's doing, you know, because it just, you know, Williams would have a good game and then they would and then do rotate nothing. three guys. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I like Diggs. I think he's the best of the bunch in terms of the LSU group and the, you know, the running backs that we'll talk about today, fairly sure. Um, and I, I'm curious to see where he goes with ADP, you know, like with Estime. Um, is sh shooting up the boards, rightfully so, with ADP. I'm curious where Diggs uh, starts ending up. Um, but I will definitely be on my radar at the early 20s for sure. Yeah, he's definitely the – the from a running back perspective, he's the uh, – I mean, I could uh, – McCaskill, I would say, is probably – I probably might put McCaskill right there with him just because of the opportunity that McCaskill will have. But Diggs is right there. Um so let's see. Next up is Brady Allen, quarterback, going from Purdue, also following his uh, ex-head coach, Brian Brown, from Purdue to Louisville. Um, I mean, I think this is significant for dynasty leagues, right? Uh, you know, I think Jack Plummer's kind of solidified. He's the starting quarterback for this coming season. Um, but as we've seen with Plummer and Brown in the past, don't be oh. surprised that, you know, Brady Allen starts at some point this year. Um, I think – I think the biggest takeaway from this news is like it, it's bad news for Pierce Clarkson, who I think was a strange fit for a Brom offense to begin with. Um, he was committed to Satterfield, but Brom was able to convince him to stay. 
So I'm actually a little surprised. Um, I guess I won't be surprised if Clarkson um, enters the portal at, at his next opportunity, right? Because this is not – I don't believe this is good news for him. Yeah, this is definitely not good news. You got two former quarterbacks for Brom being in play, and Brom got <clears throat> Allen to come at the end of spring, right? Like, so that tells me maybe he saw Clark's in play and say, eh, <clears throat> I need a young guy. Like, I need a guy for, for next year, you know, the next season. Yep. I think you said it already, right? This is definitely a dynasty slash like long term play. Uh, I am establishing the term green bananas. <laughs> uh, Brady Allen is a green banana, but I think yes. there's a chance that he ripens pretty quickly. Like Jack Plummer is a serviceable college quarterback. I don't think he's all world, right? Nope. So I could see Brady Allen performing well uh, in practice and then at an opportunity, an injury, you know, take the job halfway or late in the season. Bad it's performance all- by Plummer. <laughs> yeah. Bad performances, maybe. I will say it's encouraging because Brom has seen him play, hence, you know, coming from Purdue and said, hey, come on over. So he definitely thinks Allen is a quality player, um, which is always a, a good start. So yeah, I totally was, forgot, by the way, that Jack Plummer was at uh, at Purdue. Yeah. I mean, wasn't he part of the rotation when he was rotating like O'Connell? And then um, there's a third guy, too, that I can't think of off the top of my head that they kind of like just like, played musical chairs at quarterback that one year. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. From a skill set of Brady Allen, he's more, I mean, he's not like statue, like, like Aiden O'Connell, but he's not a, he's not really a runner, right? Like he's a yeah. little bit more athletic, maybe, I don't know, maybe a Drew Brees ish, but not five foot seven. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I definitely think he's more mobile than O'Connell or Plummer. Um, but like I said, uh, if you own Pierce Clarkson, um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's just bad news for him. Hopefully, he enters, he enters the portal and and uh, ends up at a uh, offense that can better utilize his skills. Yeah, something I was thinking about coming into this. Um, I feel like in the past we always drafted based on situation, and a lot of that made, made sense pre portal, right? Like pre the significance of this portal, because right, like I know, hey, this quarterback is going to come in. He might sit a year, but like every quarterback and XYZ system is awesome. Every running receiver, like when we first started, when I was playing Dynasty and when I started, or let's say early teens, maybe like 2010 or something, right? Like you just always drafted Baylor players. You always draft, you know, you had these same schemes, Wisconsin right. running yeah. backs. And you got so, the Mike Leach quarterback. Yeah, so, you always yeah. do it, right? Uh, receivers at Washington State. Like now I feel like there should be and maybe there is a shift towards drafting towards talent because if you're going to spend up to get, let's say Brady Allen, because you want him in the Louisville offense. I mean, what are the chances that he's going to be there in a year? You know, like obviously Allen's not transferring again, but like, let's say a quarterback that you love in a system. I mean, it's pretty possible that he could just move out of that system and not go somewhere as significant. That's a, such a, positive for their uh, fantasy production. Well, I think, I think you have to pay more attention to the coach and the player, right? Um, You know, I hate to use Clarkson again, right? But he just seemed like a very odd fit for a Brom offense. And so he was someone that, you know, in, in drafts in my dynasty leagues or in my C to C leagues, he's someone I avoided just because even though like 
I think, uh, I mean, other people went after him because, hey, he's the next, their assumption is he's the next Brian Brom quarterback, right? But, I mean, the, the fit just seems so odd to me that, like, I just avoided it altogether. Um, and so I think you kind of kind of take a closer look at, like, what has this coach done in the past, right? What What is his typical running back or receiver or quarterback look like? And what is this player's skill set? And do they match? Um, I mean, but that's not always true, right? Because I think I think if you took that approach when Josh Heupel took over Tennessee, right, you would have missed out on Hendon Hooker. Because I mean, I would have said the same thing then, right? That that Hooker didn't necessarily match what you what you expected out of a Heupel offense. Um, and I think um, Heupel kind of admitted that himself, right? Um, you know, getting Milton in and starting Milton over over Hooker those first couple games, but then he kind of saw, hey, yeah, I, I got to put Hooker out there, and so he was able to, you know, and and Hooker did a great job, right? But I think you know initially the thoughts were that he didn't necessarily meet the stereotypical hypo type quarterback. Yeah, and I think you also have to look at Coach Mo. So, like, what is their typical style? Like you mentioned, like who do they typically go after? But also like the Mo of the coach, right? Like Lane Kiffin has brought in multiple transfer quarterbacks to Ole Miss, right? What, like three or four? Dart? Well, the three now are – They got Dart Sanders and Walker Howard. Yeah. So, if I'm not going after a true freshman quarterback that's going to Ole Miss, you know, not with that type of – not high at least in a draft, right? Like, because I've already seen evidence that Lane Kiffin is – it's not about having talent in the room. Uh, he just straight – wants to get the more experienced guy potentially. So well, there's I always think, that door open, it feels like for someone like him. You know, when we talk about coaches and their and their kind of MOs, I think Kiffin is one of the better coaches in terms of playing to the strengths of his team, right? Like I don't think you can necessarily pigeonhole, you know, who his type of player is. I feel like he uses whatever the strength is of his particular team and molds the offense that way. Yeah, because I, I don't think Walker Howard fits the Dart Sanders mold. No, he doesn't. Kind of like a, it's like a slow transition to, from one end of the spectrum to the other. Like Sanders is total bruiser, just hard work, you know, get it done type guy. Runs. Dart, we saw Dart have some really good running games last year, but I don't really think that's like what he's the best at, right? Like he's he, like a gunslinger, I think. Yeah. And then you see Howard, I think he's more of your traditional drop yeah. back passer. So I think that's a good point as well with a guy like Kiffin. It's just, if your coach is smart enough, he'll adapt to what he's got. You know, if you're trying to make, make Howard a runner, then that's just not good coaching. Yep. All right. Move on to next quarterback, Justin Lampson going from Syracuse to Stanford and, just an odd note here when I was putting these graphics together, it's like they're basically the same logo, right? Just with a tree in the middle. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but that's on, yeah. Yeah, I thought about that when I was when I was yesterday when I was working on the graphics for the show today. And there was a couple other ones that I was like, oh, that's really strange. Um, I think the, the Cincinnati graphic looks like our logo looks like the Chick-fil-A logo to me. It does kind of ha- it <laughs> as someone that's in Atlanta that sees it all the time, I do see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, on to Lampson. So he's someone that, I mean, he was probably one of my more favorite quarterbacks that were still in the portal. Um, I was secretly hoping he'd go to Old Dominion, but, you know, Old Dominion can't compete with Stanford for sure. Um, 
He, uh, I think he has a shot to actually go there and and be their starting quarterback in the fall. I mean, I think he's that talented that he could do that, and he's from the area too. So, and they just don't have anybody. Like their quarterbacks are pretty rough. Um, they got Ari Patu, and then there's a freshman who I can't think of his name that I know um, the the C to C recruiting guys were fairly high on, but. You know, I don't. I don't see a, a freshman going in there and starting. So, but I definitely. I mean, I think Lampson improves that room, right? And, um, and with that new offense coming over from Sacramento State, you know, he he, to me, he'd be like someone I'd be willing to take a shot on, like at the end of the drafts. Yeah, I think if we don't know he's a starter, you know, that's an end of the draft type pick. But I think if they name him starter, he he moves up. Like, you know, if you're looking at like a 30 round draft, I early 20s, this offense, if you're not really familiar, they run a ton of plays. They're super high scoring, at least at the FCS level, Sacramento State. Um, they had fan fa- or CFF fan favorite Asher O'Hara, which was just the greatest thing to realize that he was still <laughs> playing and was so dominant. They did a little bit of a weird, I didn't watch any Sacramento State games, obviously, but multiple quarterbacks were getting usage and I, you know, Asher O'Hara is not like your traditional quarterback. He's, he's like a, a, yeah, he's a Much runner. more of a runner. <laughs> so I wonder if that just was the case, but I mean, in terms of everything else you're looking for in a quarterback, this is Sacramento state type offense. That's he, I think he used to be at Eastern Washington, this head coach, and he used to be at maybe even Washington state for a minute. Maybe I made that up, but those are offenses that you want a piece of. Like it, or you know, from that perspective of like Eastern Washington was always one of those high flying, like cool, fun teams. So this is a great fit for him at Stanford. You know, if they're running a ton of plays, um, the volume will be there, which is which is pretty huge. And then he looked really good at that spring game. I think it was well last two years. I was gonna yeah. say so last year. You know, there was folks clamoring that maybe he should start over over Garrett Schrader. Um, then he got injured. And um, so I think some people were worried about the injury, but, you know, reports were that he looked great this spring and in the spring game as well. Um, and so I, I think Syracuse definitely, at least Syracuse fans anyway, were disappointed that he left. Um, I think several of them would prefer to see him over Schrader. Yeah. Schrader's not really a thrower by any means either. And Lampson definitely felt like the better player. It's a bummer that he got hurt last year because we would have seen him play. Because they went weeks using what Carlos Del Rio Wilson. Yeah. Like, God, just put me out of my misery. I can't watch a Syracuse game anymore with that guy at quarterback. <laughs> so it's a bummer that we didn't get to see Lamson play because we would have gotten some proof. And then maybe we are more excited about him as an option. But I think ultimately this is a pretty good pick. I think he should be taken in every supplemental draft um, because if he doesn't start this year, he's still very young. And, and that's an offense that, you know, two years, you know, the next season he would have value for sure. Yeah. All right. Next up is Gary Bryant Jr., wide receiver, going from USC to Oregon. Um, I think this is intriguing just because of you know the new OC there, right? Will Stein um, was very successful uh, last season with wide receivers. Um, did all three of them get a thousand yards last year? And Clark, Cephas, and Franklin. If, if they not, they were close. If they didn't, they were on pace before all the injuries happened. Yeah. And so, you know, Gary Bryant Jr. probably is the, you know, number two wide receiver there, right? Next to behind um, Troy Franklin. So you have him, Franklin, and uh, Tez Johnson, I'm assuming, of the top three. 
Yeah, it's hard to say. I think Tez technically was with the twos for a while in the spring game, or at least when he had that big touchdown. Um, I think everybody assumes that Tez will be a starter, and then it feels like Gary Bryant would step in as well. I mean, Gary Bryant's a slot guy in terms of everything he's played at, at USC. He had, I think it was like 250 snaps in slot and 120 at, out wide. And then, you know, he, he went in the portal pretty early or said he was going to transfer early last season. So he only had like 22 slot snaps or something like that. But this is probably not great for Tez Johnson, but no, I mean, no. it's great, great for Bo Nix. You know, does Will Stein keep that same MO of using three receivers and just using the heck out of them? Because last year they were using everybody all the time, right? Like they were, Oregon was spreading Oregon it around. Everybody. It around. So, you just got to hope that Will Stein's going to reel it in a little bit and make it a little bit more concentrated because there's definitely talent there um, between, you know, him, Franklin, and Tez. So, and Bo is about as electric as it can get in that Pac 12, you know, conference. So, it's a good, this is a good one. I, I, I kind of wish he would have gone like group of five and just really <laughs> dominated, dominated, but I can see why he wouldn't do that. Right. It's kind of a hard fall to go USC to, you know, well, right. Back. Plus, for his, you know, if he has aspirations for the NFL, right, that they would they would take a hit if he if he dropped down a little bit. Yeah. Not to say he wouldn't be drafted, but maybe he wouldn't get the as high a draft capital as he, you know, he proved it in a in a Power Five conference. Yeah, Oregon's going to get a ton of obviously TV coverage. That offense is going to move. You have an old quarterback that's super experienced, coming off a great season. Like this is a good fit for him for NFL, for CFF purposes, things like that. Um, it just mur- uh, muddies the water a little bit for us trying to figure out who that number two is and how valuable that number three is because we just aren't quite sure yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I tend to agree with you that it's 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 you know it's a little downgrade on Tez Johnson, right? Who I felt like was probably going to be the wide receiver too. Um, I would definitely put Bryant over him now, um, and you know I, I don't think it affects Franklin at all. If anything, it probably helps him, right? It helps take a, take attention away. There's no way. I mean, there's just no way he's. It's a negative because he wasn't. He was putting up points last year on limited usage. So you, I don't think you're going into the season thinking he's going to get 25 to 30 percent of targets because he just won't. Um, right. Or at least you know he didn't, and he was still successful. So uh, hopefully they're more concentrated. But it's definitely not a negative towards Franklin, regardless of what Stein does. All right, this next one kind of was a last minute, uh, I guess happened yesterday, right? And um, I, I like this move. So Montania Lamonius Craig, um, who had a had a great spring game and used that to uh, catapult himself into the portal, um, going from Colorado to Arizona. Um, and I, I like this one. I think, you know, he, he can slot into uh, the Dorian Singer role um, in terms of production, um, you know, and – I personally think that Tet McMillan, Tet McMillan, is going to be the wide receiver one there. Um, Jacob Cowing's still there, um, but you know, last year this offense showed that they could not only do they support three wide receivers, they had a somewhat fantasy relevant tight end and Tanner McLaughlin. So um, Jaden Delore is still there. So I, I really like this move. I think this is a win for everybody. Uh... Delora is definitely getting, you know, this is a huge positive for him. Three super 
let's say two super reliable options, and we believe Lamonius Craig will can you know be that for them um, as well. I mean, it's a good conference to stay in. You know, they're going to score points, and uh, I think, like you said, they kind of prove that they can. Delore can facilitate to three different receivers, um, and you can provide value to those different guys. I don't think you know. I've really just been on Cowing and not the other guys in that room because uh, I think Delore is a li- he's not like the best quarterback. He you know there are games where he just kind of disappears and throws like six interceptions type stuff. But you know I think I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and think that this, he's got some good weapons and, and this is definitely a good addition for them. Well, and the Arizona defense, right? They they weren't good last year and they haven't gotten any better. Um, and so, yeah, game scripts can be great. Yeah, yeah. And, and they don't necessarily have like the best running game. I know some people re- really like Jonah Coleman, but um, and so I, you know, from from a like I said, from a game script perspective, um, their their wide receivers in Delora are the folks that I'd be targeting in drafts. All right, um, now we just kind of have some honorable mention guys. Um, we have Jair Shorta. Going from North Texas to Auburn, um, I'm not overly excited about that. I, he wasn't like a super stud at North Texas, even though the Auburn wide receiver room is not very good. I don't really expect him to be necessarily fantasy relevant. Um, I don't know if you have anything about I, There's just a lot, of, a lot of receivers in that room that are average to decent. Uh, nothing special, and I don't think Shorter is anything proven better. Um, yep. He consistently is hurt, it feels like, which is, has been a bummer because I know that I, everybody seems to have drafted him at least once in his career and then been very disappointed. Oh, yeah. um, and I just don't know about that offense, just generally speaking. Like, if Hunter gets suspended, which it seems like he will, you have Peyton Thorne against Robbie Ashford for quarterback that's just not a good situation. And then you have three or four guys that are probably not going to separate themselves at receiver. And Hugh freeze has shown that he has no issue rotating four to five guys. So I, this is definitely a guy I'm not targeting at all. Uh, Kevon Lee uh, went from Penn state to Mississippi state. Um, I feel like this is just strictly a depth thing. And again, not anything I'd be interested in, in uh, cup for college fantasy football. Agreed. It almost feels like Mississippi State's like, we want to run the ball more. We need to get like another real running back. Yeah. And uh, that's where he fits in. But it's, I can't see them being super successful year one in this offense. We can see some struggles. And I'm definitely not taking the RB2 at the very best for a struggling. Yeah. yeah I don't even know if he'd be, I'd probably put him at RB3. Um, they, they, they brought a Juco guy in, right? Um, pretty, so, like, yeah. pretty highly rated Juco guy who I feel like would probably be the RB2. Uh, next, Tyler Harrell goes from Alabama to Miami. Um, another one that doesn't overly excite me. Um, you know, he, he went from Louisville to Alabama, and, and uh, a lot of folks were kind of high on that last year and thought he might break out of Alabama. Um, I was personally not in that group, but uh, a lot of people were. He didn't really do much at Alabama. Now he moves on to Miami. Um yeah, I, 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 I'm not excited about it. No, this is – no, I want no piece of this. I, Tyler Van Dyke had really struggled last year. Even if he improves, like, I don't know why we think that Harrell would be the guy that's going to be the his top target, you know, like – No, I think that's Colby Young. I think that's I think that's a done deal. Yeah, um, 
What, do we know what really happened with him at Harrow? Was he just hurt and then in the doghouse? Was he just always hurt? Because, like, if you can't produce with everybody else that struggled at wide receiver for them and you have Bryce Young at quarterback, like, Tyler Van Dyke is not going to be the you know the solution here. I don't know. Um, I kind of lean to the fact that maybe he's just not as talented as they thought he was. Um, and, you know, he didn't really – and I think they brought him in right to be the deep threat, and I, it never really panned out. I would agree with that. Yeah, no piece of this. Uh, yeah, there's nothing more that's needed to be said. <laughs> All right, next is Xavier Henderson going from Florida to Cincinnati. Um, Henderson is someone that I think the C2C community was kind of high on um, from a recruiting standpoint, you know, many years ago. Um this is kind of mildly exciting, I guess. I don't know, but it's not anyone I'm going to draft. It might be someone like you kind of like put on a watch list. Um, I just don't know. I mean, you have – so you have Donovan Ollie there. You have a freshman that we're going to talk about. Um, Mateo still there. I just don't know with Emory Jones at quarterback that, you know, it's not – It's not. I just don't see it supporting, um, you know, Multiple receivers, maybe not even supporting one. I don't know that Henderson's going to be the one if they only support one. Yeah, I think you make a great point. I think you put him on like a watch list type of thing because I obviously there is some talent there, but a lot of question marks. The one thing he did do is go to a receiver room that is pretty empty in terms of like proven studs or proven very good players. So for him, that was wise to go somewhere where he's going to have a shot to be a receiver one. Um, but you know, the offense isn't, you know, historically awesome, you know, Emory Jones, isn't the best quarterback. So I'll just let Henderson kind of hang around and see, and just be willing to, you know, just have my eye on him. If, if, uh, he does really well early then to pick him up, but otherwise, I mean, I can't see that happening anyways, but otherwise um, yeah. I'm avoiding this, this last one, I guess I'm mildly interested in, um, just from a potential opportunity standpoint. Um, with Billy Lucas coming from Duquesne to Liberty. Um, he was very successful at the FCS level, wasn't he, like 1,500 yards and double-digit touchdowns, I think, something like that? Yeah, he was pretty successful there. You always w- worry about, like, these FCS-type players moving into, you know, uh, FBS. But he went Liberty, which is going to have a pretty soft schedule. Yeah, but they're in Conference the- USA, which is easily the worst conference in – and the FBS. Yeah, and that's Chadwell, right, from Coastal? Yep. So that's going to be a good offense. Um, and, you know, he's he's a good-sized player. He's like 6'1", 200. So he's not like one of those tiny FCS running backs that's successful. So, you know, I'm not drafting him probably in best balls until I hear maybe that he's like tearing it up at Liberty or that he's the starter. But I, I certainly am intrigued enough to, to put him on a watch list to – to think, okay, well, if he's, he's shown to be successful in the past, you know, I looked at some of the, um, you know, they had played other power five teams in the past. He didn't really do a whole lot in those games, but I'm intrigued enough to, to keep him top of mind in the future, but no immediate action taken here. Yeah. I think it's someone like in fall camp you want to pay attention to, right? So they have Vaughn blue there who um, got a lot of buzz in the spring, right? Um, 
probably the I think they have, they call him an A back and a B back. I think I read that Von Blues like currently the A back, um, and then Quentin Cooley, uh, transfer from Wake Forest, who is the who is the B back, and uh, Dede Hunter left, um, and so it, this could this could simply be a depth move, right, um, with losing Hunter, but um, given his success at the FCS level, it's definitely some. I, I definitely would be paying attention in fall camp to see between those three blue Cooley and, and Lucas, if one of them kind of really asserts himself. Yeah. Opportunity is there. Does he run with it literally and metaphorically? Um, so interesting enough player. All right. Now we're going to move on to the main topic for today and that's impact freshman for 2023. These are guys that we expect at some point to either have an immediate impact or towards the end of the season kind of have an impact as a freshman. Um, my, my general feelings on this freshman class, I'm not as optimistic or as excited as I was last year in terms of first-year opportunities, right? I don't – I mean, other than maybe Baxter, I don't see like a Damian Martinez, for instance. Um, I just felt like last year there were so many freshmen that I felt you know, could have a bigger impact than I do about this year's class. And that's not to say this year's class isn't talented. I just feel like in general, like the opportunity for immediate playing time is not as readily available. Yeah, probably portal related too, because teams can say, hey, I have a gap at running back. Let me just go get one. Um, But I would agree with that. I think the last like three to five years, there's always been two or three guys that feel awesome. Right. It was like Nick Singleton years ago, like Trevor Lawrence many years ago. Like there's there are players or were players, like you mentioned, with like Damian Martinez, where it's like, yeah, I think this guy could actually be really good immediately. And it very limited here, Um, especially like the the, the non blue bloods. Right. I feel like I feel like, you know, last year there were guys I was much more excited about, you know, in the in the lower level programs, you know, whether it be lower level p5 or uh the group of five guys and this year i i don't necessarily see that yep i agree all right so the first freshman is wide receiver great Jaden greathouse he is a uh, 2023 four star 24 7 composite he was the number 44 wide receiver in the nation he's six foot one 213 pounds he was he was enrolled in the spring um, and I think that's a common theme pretty much for all the guys we're going to talk about today. They were all enrolled in the spring. Um, he had 11 receptions on 13 targets for 118 yards in the spring game. And I think I think the feeling for him or the, the, the community feeling on him is that he can kind of fulfill what tight ends have done in the past at Notre Dame. He can kind of fill that void. Maybe they don't have the they don't have another Michael Mayer, for instance. Um but that great house can kind of fill fill that void as far as you know possession type guy. This is one of the most intriguing ones. Um, it just there's not a lot of competition for him, right? Notre Dame didn't have great receiver play last year. Caleb Smith was there, uh, went there in the offseason, then retired. You know they lose out on you know Mayer's gone. Lorenzo so, Styles left to play defense for Ohio State. So it's just a very thin room um, and enrolled in the spring, which is always good to see for a younger guy. Size is pretty legitimate. 
and he produced in the spring game. So even if he doesn't produce year one, this feels like a really good option for year two and year three, like his sophomore two years. Uh, but I think there's a really good shot at him being productive this year. And he also has Sam Hartman at quarterback, right? Like yep. he's got a legitimate passing quarterback that has been successful for four years, essentially. Like, so that's a good spot for him to be in. And I think he'll, I don't know what is, I don't know. I don't do C2C drafts and stuff like that, but I imagine he is only going to continue rising with ADP with in terms of freshmen. Yeah. I think, um, I think that spring game like really kind of vaulted him up. Right. Cause I think prior to that, there wasn't a whole lot of buzz about him in the spring. Right. Um, now Notre Dame, they kind of do this weird thing. I think they don't necessarily like the teams aren't necessarily split while I think the coaches do place players on teams for the spring game, I think they, they do like a draft, I think, right? At least that's what I'm, I've heard. I'm not sure, but I know that he and Hartman had some really, you know, a really good day. Um, you, you kind of hope that it wasn't against the backups and stuff, but it's unavoidable. That's a, a Yeah, but I mean, it was good to see him have that chemistry with Hartman, right? That's got to yep. be a positive. Yep. All right, next is uh, Cedric Alexander, running back from Vanderbilt. He was a 2023 three-star, 24-7 composite running back, number 50 running back in the nation, five foot nine, 200 pounds. He was also enrolled in the spring. He had seven carries, 56 yards, and a touchdown in the spring game. He's another one like that backfield's wide open, right, with Ray Davis going transferring to Kentucky. Um, there was another, and I can't think of his name off the top of my head, there was another redshirt freshman um, running back that also had a good day in the spring. Um, so I think, you know, definitely keep an eye on that situation. Um, I think, you know, the, the, they could definitely be good spot starters in CFF, right? Ray Davis proved that last year. Um, obviously, you're not starting starting against Alabama, but there are certainly games, I think, where you could start at Vanderbilt running back. Yeah, it's just a matter of which one. Um, it may be they, did you mention Patrick, a guy named Patrick Smith was back? I didn't. He is back. I, I mentioned the redshirt freshman. I'm going to see if I can find his name real quick. That I had think a good spring game. Smith barely was used last year. I think he got hurt, but like there was a time where it felt like maybe he was going to push for some carries. But for me, I'm not super excited about Alexander. Uh, it's Vanderbilt, which they're getting better. They've done a, the coaching staff has done an awesome job of like getting guys in and production, but like, I just have a hard time seeing he be, him be like Ray Davis like in year one. Um, not to mention there are other people that could battle it out for it. You know, I'm not going to say no to him completely, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be targeting him early compared to some of these other options. I know Jared's like super high on him, but yeah, I'm just you know, Ray Davis is not like all world, but he's a pretty decent running back. You know, I would find it really surprising if any other Vanderbilt running back came in and did what he did. So the other, the other guy I was thinking of is Chase Gillespie. Um, he had, he had 15 carries for 93 yards in the spring game. Um, so yeah, I mean, it could just, it could just be a, a running back by committee right there with those three. Um, but the fact that Alexander, you know, did something in the spring game, um, I think he had a little bit of a buzz, right? That's, that's certainly positive, positive, um, I'm not overly excited about by him. I mean, I in my dynasty leagues, I guess like I wouldn't have a problem taking him, you know, later on in the drafts. Um, but 
but you know, someone like Jared that's super high on him is probably going to take him way sooner than I would. Yeah, I suspect I won't have much of him because of, of a few people that are going to be super high on Alexander. Just will grab him before I would consider it. All right, next up is Barry Jackson, wide receiver for Cincinnati. Um, he is a three-star, 24-7 composite. He was the number 173rd wide receiver in the nation. He's 5'11", 175 pounds. He was enrolled in the spring. Um, he got quite a bit of buzz um, in the spring and for his play in the spring game. Um, I couldn't I couldn't find his particular stats for the game. Um, the only thing I could find is that he did catch a 34-yard touchdown pass from fellow freshman uh, Brady Drogosh in the spring game. Um, so that kind of indicates that he wasn't with the first team, right, because that would have been Emory and Bryant at that time. Um but but when I was you know doing uh, research on him yesterday, is like he was con- he was consistently one of the better receivers in the spring. Um, one of the coaches kind of made the comment that he was the only receiver that consistently got separation, um, and so all those things for, for a freshman are positive, right? Um, again, like we said earlier, I'm not, I'm not sure that how how much volume the Cincinnati or the Emory Jones is going to be able to support from a receiver standpoint, right? So you got Jackson there, you got Henderson, and then you got Donovan Ali who transferred from Washington State to Cincinnati. So, um, but he's definitely someone, uh, you know, uh, again, late in the drafts, maybe I take a stab on. Um, but again, it's probably going to be a case where someone else, else is much higher on him than I am. Yeah, I mean, opportunities there uh, because the room is pretty thin, like we talked about with Henderson. I just don't know if a Satterfield is Satterfield known for great receiver ones. Like, well, he had Tutu Atwell, um, you know, and then he, um, didn't Hudson have a thousand yards last year? Tyler Hudson, I think he did, which was a but, weird. But, it, but weird it, seems, it seems kind of sporadic, right? Yeah, um, it's not. It's not. It's not a consistent thing year to year. Yeah, it, it seems like. I mean, they loved him from everything I could read on him, and they had mentioned even too that like he was he made a big changes and big improvement from day one to the end of spring, which is good to hear. Definitely felt like Setterfield loves him as a, yes. as a potential option. You wonder how much of that is coach speak versus legitimacy. Um, at this point, you know, like it, it feels like an Alexander situation, like you said, where somebody's probably going to grab him before it makes sense for me to do it. This Dragish guy seems super interesting too. Yeah. From a dynasty they, perspective, absolutely. from a dynasty perspective, it, coaches seem to really like him. You know, does he just sit one year and replace Emory Jones? Like, yep. you know, that's a, it feels like a potential possibility. And I haven't really heard a lot of people talk about him. So path to playing time is, is pretty clear. Uh, so I, I think Dragic is interesting from a dynasty standpoint, Jackson, I would, you know, this is one of those things, right? Like if I need more time before fully committing in or out, right. Or I should say maybe just in, but by the time I maybe make that decision based on other data points, it's like, I'm probably not going to get him any sort of value. So if I probably, again, won't end up getting much of them. And, and if I do, it'll be late in the late in the off season. Yeah. When we, when we hear more. All right. Next, uh, probably uh, it's, it's one of the top receivers in the class. Um, some of the CDC guys have him as the number one receiver. Um, is 2023 four-star 24-7 composite uh number seven wide receiver nation six foot 
even 184 pounds, John Tay Cook the second uh, for Texas. He was enrolled in the spring. Um, he had three receptions, 87 yards, and a touchdown in the spring game. Um, he was playing on the side with Malik Murphy. So that would kind of indicate to me that he's on the second team. But the, the news, I mean, all the news I heard about him in the spring was very, very positive. Um, some some even said he looked like the best receiver there in, in, in on the team. Um, you know, Xavier Worthy's still there. Um, A.D. Mitchell transferred over from Georgia. So I'm not, you know, certain that he'll have a huge impact this season. I certainly, I certainly expect that he will play. Um, and in a dynasty league, he's he's a first round draft pick all day. Yeah, he seems legit. Um, high ranking C2C guys here love him, which is you know always a good thing to have at a, a, with a freshman that you're interested in. And then. He shows up in the spring game and really looks good. Like he, he feel like he fills the part of what people have talked about him. But he's at Texas with you know fifteen proven old guys that you know are going to get in his way. So, is there a world where he performs this year? Yeah, I think you're going to draft him high regardless. So that's just a bonus. You're not drafting him high for production this year. You're drafting him for year two, year three. Because I think that receiver room is going to get kind of thin here really quick, right? Uh, and you have you know quarterback after quarterback behind um, Ewers that look to be pretty good, you know, look to be able to help out a receiver one, receiver two. So you're going to draft him high, and if you get any production year one, that's a bonus. But I think he he seems to really fit the part um, of like what people have talked about him. Yeah, I mean. Like you said, he's 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 a, he's a first round pick regardless. Anything you get this year is going to be a bonus. And he's competing, like I said, with with Worthy and Ad Mitchell, and then Sanders too at tight end, right? And so he's probably the the, the fourth, maybe the third option there. Um, but I mean, I, I do think he will play this year, but I'm not expecting him, you know, to to go bonkers, so to speak. I could see him really getting some snaps, but it's going to take an injury something like that that's going to get him in there it's because like it's what are the what are the receivers right like jordan whittington and isaiah nayor are kind of the guys that are probably right yeah i mean I, I i i definitely think he passes those two i think he could easily pass those two but do they give those two players that kind of um you know first chance at it because it's a little bit more understandable we'll see but it doesn't matter regardless because you're just going to be taking them early because you want that year two year three anyways so all right, next up is Dante Moore, quarterback, going to UCLA. He was a five-star uh, composite, number three quarterback in the nation, six foot three, 210 pounds, and he was enrolled in the spring. And um, by all accounts, like, he was impressive in the spring, right? He looked good. Um, I mean, I think most reports had him running with the second team uh, behind Ethan Garbers. Uh, I think a lot of people um, were in on Colin Schley. Uh, but reports are that he hasn't looked so great in the spring. Um, and so uh, that's good news for Dante Moore truthers, right? That, that you know, I don't think Garbers is the long-term answer there. And so I fully expect at some point this year, Dante Moore is going to start. Might not be week one, but maybe, you know, week three, four, somewhere around there. Yeah, I think I'm going to ruffle feathers here, but I think Dante Moore is a little bit of a green banana. Um I don't think he's – if he plays this year, I don't see him being like 
a guy that you'll start on a championship type CFF team. Um, but it's a great sign for, you know, years to come. Um, he seems to really have like cook, right? Like he really seems to play the part of what people were talking about him in terms of his skill set and how good he could be. Like you said, Garbers is not the option here long-term. I mean, it's not going to be a good season for UCLA if, if, uh, I don't know. I just have a hard time believing that Garbers is good. Do you think he's actually good? No, I don't think he's good. I mean, I think I'd use the word serviceable. Like, I think he fits probably like the college good, where it's like Chip Kelly will get the most of them. If Dante Moore is starting, I think UCLA is probably in trouble. It's just a lot to expect a true freshman in a Power 5 conference to be successful year one. Um I think, I think a lot depends on how Garbers plays, right? I think that's going to dictate what happens. Yeah. I mean, if, Garber, knows, if Garbers maybe, is terrible. Maybe we're just getting a bunch of smoke, uh, like a smoke screen thrown at us, and Colin Schley is really the guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, in, in today's world, <laughs> right, any, anything's possible, right? I mean, freaking Hawaii, what they, they, they dressed up a guy like, uh, like Brennan just to throw off the other team in warm-up. So, you know. You Incredible. never know what coach. Yeah, you never know what coaches are gonna do, um, in terms of you know hiding the, the what's what's really going on. Um, yeah. I do yeah, think this... Don. I was gonna say I do you think Dante is probably, from all accounts, he is the most ready of the of the freshman quarterbacks. He seems like it, yeah, and he's he's probably got the quickest road to um, to. Or maybe he's the most likely to play in year one, right? Yeah, absolutely, like as a freshman. absolutely. Um, I, I this is another Cook situation, though. Ultimately, like year one production's a bonus. You get to see what he's made of and how legit he is. But ultimately, like he seems like he's going to be just a stud in year two, year three. You know, sophomore, junior year. Now, now the one thing I will say, like he doesn't. I don't know that he necessarily meets the typical mo. You know, he doesn't have the mobility. I think of what you what you're used to seeing with the Chip Kelly quarterback. I'm not saying he's not mobile, right? But he's not Dorian Thompson Robinson either. Um, so that's gonna that's a little bit different. Um, so if you're you're drafting him and you're expecting you know DTR type rush games, I don't know if you're ever gonna get that from him. Yeah, and you have to keep in mind it doesn't matter how good you are as a passer for CFF unless you're getting insane volume. And if you're not getting insane volume, you have to have rushing production. Like you don't have to run for 800 yards, but you better run for six or eight touchdowns, right? Like yeah, there is, if you're going to be like an elite CFF quarterback and he's going to be drafted pretty high, uh, like pretty, pretty high in the first round. So, or at least of the freshmen. So you got to hope that he, he evolves as a runner maybe or, or is used on the goal line in a specific way that's really beneficial. But that's that's his path to elite quarterback play is that is that rushing ability. But just because you don't do what DTR does, you know, in terms of a rusher doesn't mean you're going to be, you know, you can't do anything rushing. So we'll, yeah. I am curious to see him play in like a – obviously in like a real game to see his size and – how he moves and things like that. So he doesn't seem like he's a, a like a legitimate freshman quarterback in terms of like, you know, being like uh, blinded by the light, you know, in a sense, and maybe undersized. Like he seems to fit the part. 
Um, so it'd be interesting to see him play when he does get on the field. Yeah, I think, you know, that rushing upside is what concerns me from a CFF perspective, right? I like him much more in a C2C league um, than I do necessarily in a CFF league because I don't know that I see that that high uh, rushing potential that you that you like to see. All right, next, the number one running back in the nation, Cedric C.J. Baxter going to Texas. He was a five-star, uh, but according to 24-7 composite rankings, he's six foot one, 210 pounds. He was enrolled in the spring. In the spring game, he had 11 carries, 28 yards, one touchdown, uh, one reception for seven yards. Um, he's probably the, t- the, the, the top running back off the board, right, in terms of, you know, dynasty drafts, um, assuming someone, like, that shouldn't belong on the waiver wire isn't there. Um, but from a freshman perspective, he's definitely, I think the number one running back. Um, the only concern is, is he going to win the job? I think um, I, I believe so. Um, you have Jaden on blue there, uh, Jonathan Brooks, who I do like Jonathan Brooks, but I don't know that he's as talented as Baxter. Um, and, and, you know, Sark has kind of shown the, uh, that he, that he wants to have a workhorse guy, right? So I don't necessarily know that, which is a good thing, if you can get the guy. I think the question is, is he the guy? Yeah, I I think this is a really good – this is kind of a good fit of talent plus opportunity. Um, you know, Brooks doesn't feel like a big name in that running back room. He's just kind of like the guy that's still there. I shouldn't say still yeah. there. He's the guy that re- – one of the guys that returns – because he's pretty young, if I remember right. So, like, there's he's a lot talented. of hype He's not as talented as, as Baxter, for sure. Yeah, it, it feels like Baxter is, is – I don't think anybody's going to be able to do what Bijan did for Texas for a long time. But, like, does feel like Baxter could get kind of close. You know, legitimate size. Yep. Looked great. Um, it, lots of hype around him, obviously. I, this is a – this is a guy that if you – I don't know where he's going in these best ball drafts that we're doing, but, like, this is a guy that could be – a maybe he's a team pick or something, right? But if he's the guy, I mean, he's a top five-round pick for sure. So do you take that risk and go with it? Because if you're wrong, you're going to basically not – you're going to get a dud. You're going to get a zero essentially for the full season because uh, usually, like, backups are just not all that valuable to a best ball team, even – we get like sporadic carries. So I, I certainly think he could win the job. I'm not drafting him. I don't, I don't aggressively draft like that. So it's not my style, but I can see the appeal of people doing that for sure. And I think like for a CFF dynasty, he's, I mean, unless you have some kind of crazy quarterback scoring or quarterback requirement, like you start three quarterbacks or something along those lines, he's definitely a top five pick. Right. And, and, and again, if it's not, you know, some kind of crazy quarterbacks, I can see making an argument for him being the number one pick. Yeah. yeah. I, I think 16 I think quarterbacks, team, always, two quarterback league, maybe you, you could, I could see him being number one, but. I think if there's a legitimate quarterback, like a Moore or uh, the guy at USC, like you always, no, I might think you always lean. Yeah. You always lean towards them. Um, because like if you're trying to win a championship in CFF, like you have to have stud quarterback play. Uh, so I would lean those quarterbacks before Baxter, but if your team 
is a little bit more win now and you need a running back help like that he's a good option because he could kill two birds with one stone he could help you long term and he could help you day one potentially as well yeah i mean i think it's really going to depend on the size of your league and how many quarterbacks you start right Mm-hmm. Um, Six point touchdowns versus four, too. Yeah. All those factors are going to kind of dictate where Baxter goes. But I feel fairly confident that even in like a crazy quarterback league, he's probably still number five, maybe number six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's that many quarterbacks that are worth taking above a guy like him. Like maybe those, like, really just whoever those top studs are, right? Like Nico, yeah, Mo- Nico, Moore, uh, Nelson, and um, oh my gosh, there's no Arch. one. That- Arch, yeah, yep. I think I would take the first three over him. I would take Baxter over Arch. There's a lot of competition there. Um, that's just tough to beat out. Jackson Arnold's another one, but I I would take Baxter over Jackson Arnold. Yep, yep. All right, next is uh, Ruben Owens running back going to Texas A&M. He is also a five star running back, according to 24 7. He was the number two running back in the nation, six foot even 200 pounds he was enrolled in the spring uh nine carries for 48 yards and three receptions and 21 yards in that spring game um everything i read on him kind of indicates like you know he's going to have a role from day one um at a minimum he is the receiving back option like he is far and away the the best receiving back they have um now the question is you know can he can he kind of get that more three down back roll um, you have other options there. You have Le'Veon Moss. Um, the guy, uh, the crown over, I think, is, is another one. Um, I'm not, I, I personally wouldn't be too concerned with crown over, but, you know, Moss was a high recruit last year. Um, and so maybe you're kind of see, you see a platoon of Moss and Owens. Um, but it's kind what of about, it's encouraging. What about David Bailey? You intimidated by David Bailey? No. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird move that was. But yeah. I mean, maybe. I mean, I guess maybe they could use Bailey as the goal line back, right? A short yardage guy. I, I can see that. Yeah, but like if if Owens is the guy, I mean, he's got good size. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, you know, get cute and put David Bailey in. But I mean, there is that option, I guess, that they could do. I. It seems like that's that was just such a weird transfer. I think there's a connection with Adazio or something like that, and that's. Is Adazio at Texas A&M now? I want to say I heard somebody say, well, it makes sense. Because if that so, that would there. make sense. <laughs> he just follows them everywhere. I think we talked yeah. about that. The problem, and this, there's a little bit of, yeah, he's the offensive line coach for AM. There's a little bit of this with um, Baxter, but I, I don't know why I'm not, I just don't feel as worried about it. If, if Owens doesn't win the job and it's Le'Veon Moss, you have two years of Le'Veon Moss that you are now roadblocked by. You kind of yeah. have the same thing with Brooks. Um, so keep that in mind or when blue. you're thinking about – Or Blue. Although I think people are so out on Blue at this point. But you're right. Blue's got two more years. So if, I think the reason – I think Baxter seems to really just come off as that good. Owens feels like he's very good. He had a good spring game. And it – Moss and um, Jonathan Brooks seem like the same level of just like – big recruits that haven't been super impressive. They're just the guys there. So I think Owens is really appealing as well, but keep in the back of your mind with a guy like him and Baxter that like, maybe Moss really is that four star and he wins the job and, you know, and all of a sudden you're stuck for two years. 
I mean, I think worst case scenario for Owens, right? It's kind of a one-two punch with him and Moss. Um, I mean, I think he kind of showed in the spring that he, at the very least, right, he's going to get some receiving work and a kind of a change of pace back. Um, and but you know, certainly he has the potential to be a three-down, three-down running back for them. You always worry about running backs getting taken off the field because they can't pass block or they have hands like fish, right? Like, but it's great to hear and see that he actually can catch the ball. So it's like, okay, coach can't make up some BS excuse about, well, until he's better in the pass game, we can't use him as a player. So you avoid right. that issue, which is nice with him. All right, next is the number one wide receiver of the nation, Zachariah Branch, uh, going to USC. He is a 2023 five-star. He's five foot 10, 175 pounds, also enrolled in the spring. He had eight receptions for 94 yards in that spring game. Um, got a lot of buzz in the spring. Um, again, first-round draft pick in CFF Dynasty Leagues. I think the biggest question with him is there are so many, so many mouths to feed you know, with that uh, USC offense with um, with Mario Williams still there. You have Brendan Rice, um, Taj Washington, who, Dorian Singer, Deuce Robinson, the tight end. Um, I, I do believe, though, like if there is a true difference maker at receiver for this team, it's Branch. Now, whether that translates to – you know, him starting or not, I don't know. But I think, like, if someone is going to go bonkers, that's who it's going to be. Yeah, I, I think that's – I great. don't think the likelihood is there, but – Yeah, know, that's a great point, right? Like, I think that I think you're dead on. If there's one receiver in that room that could just have absolutely insane receiver one overall season, like, he seems to fit that mold. Does he have the opportunity to do that this year? Does he have that type of skill set year one, or does it take till sophomore year to really flourish? Because you're right. Taj Washington is kind of a one-trick pony. Um, Mario Williams, in my opinion, is just overrated. Uh, Dorian Singer is a really good receiver, but he's not like knock your socks off, top three CFF type of guy. All of them are very good. Brandon Rice, very good college receiver, got some good size to him. He's shown to have some big games, but like he's not going to do that every single week in a season. But like you're kind of saying here, right? Like Branch seems to have that ability. Nate did a great job of, I was kind of knocking on Branch and why you would want to pick him over these other guys in like best balls and stuff. And Nate did make a good point in our Slack that like uh, Riley has produced freshman receivers that have had productive freshman seasons. So if he can get get that opportunity, if we see a guy or two transfer, like that's a immediate alert goes up to me that that receiving room knows that branch is legit and he's going to get early playing time, and that's why they're on their way out, right? Like if Taj Washington, I don't know, can he transfer? He already transferred once, but he's old. Well, if he's, terms. I don't say if he's a graduate transfer, he could. Transfer he might be able to, out, to right? move, right? Actually, every single one of their receivers has transferred once. Singer, obviously. Rice was at Colorado. Mario was at Oklahoma. And Taj was at Memphis. So maybe they're all stuck. But if, well, if, they're, if they graduate, though, they can transfer. Right. If, they, if one of those guys or two of those guys leave, that's an immediate alert to me that 
Branch is going to get playing time early. Take him in redraft leagues. Take him in best ball leagues. But yeah, he, this guy is. This guy seems real deal. I, I I think people would say he's over Cook, right? Pretty easily. Um. Yes. Yes. I think so. For CFF um, purposes, not necessarily C two C. Yeah. I mean, I think. Yeah. I yes. I think most people think that. Um, but it's close. Which one would you rather have? Oh man, for CFF, I think I'm going to lean Cook, and just be, and the only reason I say that is I think that that Texas wide receiver room um, after this year, I think I expect you know Sanders, Mitchell, Worthy all gone, becomes a lot less crowded. Now you so USC they still have Makai Lemon. Who was a top receiver? Um, they got Deuce Robinson, and and um, with Malachi Nelson being you know high school teammates with Makai Lemon, that can you know I don't think I think Branch is more talented, right? But I think I think long term I'd rather have Cook. Okay, I think I would lean. Um, I think I would lean Branch. But it does I think feel Branch has close. a higher ceiling. I do, I do think that, but I want to think say, Cook's safer. I want to say that Washington has two years left because the first, his first season, he had three passes or three receptions. So that feels like he redshirted. And then there's 2020. And then, count. so not that I think, that really I think plays Sing- a part. Singer, but, I think Singer was a sophomore last year, right? So, I mean, I think Singer's what he wants to do is go to USC, have a great year, and go to the NFL draft. I think that's what he wants to do. Yeah. Um, but he could still come back for another year. Yeah. I can see the perspective of wanting Cook because there's it's pretty much for sure, right? Like worthy yeah, technically, more certain. but if that feels like he's gone for sure. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good problem to have if you're trying to pick between the two of them because they that their production just feels inevitable. It's not Absolutely. like if, it's just when, when, you know. All right, next up is wide receiver Van Drevius Jacobs going to Florida State. He was a three-star in the 24-7 composite. He was the number 62 wide receiver in the nation, six foot even, 175 pounds. He was enrolled in the spring. Um, and he, by all accounts, like if you pay, listen to um, Matt Bruning's spring reports, right, he was someone that got mentioned repeatedly. Um, he did have a 44-yard catch and run in that spring game. I couldn't necessarily, I couldn't find any stats from the game itself, but he was someone that I feel like there was kind of like a steady drumbeat that he was at least looking um, good in the spring, which is positive for a, uh, a freshman. Um, he's the less least heralded of the freshman receivers, um, at least compared to Hakeem Williams, right? Um, going to Florida State. Um, but I do think there is a path to playing time for Jacobs in this in his freshman year. So I think Jacobs is going to be a slot guy. Um, and in, in front of him right now, I would say is Winston Wright, who was a transfer from West Virginia. Um, he transferred last offseason. Then he got in that car accident last year. Um, last I think it was last March. I don't really know what he did um, as far as his injuries from that accident. But whatever they were, they were significant enough that he missed the entire year last year. And so I think, you know, 
is he healthy? Um, you know, is he going to be the same player he was? Um, and so I don't, and I don't see anyone else like that would step up between him and Jacobs in that slot, in that slot role. So I do think there is some opportunity for Jacobs. Um, again, it depends on how healthy or non-healthy right is. Yeah, the path to – you make a good argument for him for that path to early production, which is the C2C guys has proven is pretty like necessary if you're going to be uh, a relevant player in the future. I just don't want Evazi receivers. You know, like yeah. there's a little bit of – there's you know, we're always kind of just in a sense like flipping coins on whether guys are going to be productive in college and stuff like that, like – because these are high school kids, anything could happen, and they could transfer five times over. I just don't know if I want to take any sort of mid to early shot on a three star at FSU. Like as a late type option, I think it makes a lot of sense. Because as, as I said earlier, right, like pick a little bit, my opinion, more towards like um, talent rather than the scheme. Because right, like what if he has a you know for a freshman productive first year and transfers um you know like there's a lot of things that can be in play but he would have to be active in the running game and he's a receiver you know i don't i don't think he's like the type to steal a few carries with like some trick plays dynamic type plays um you did make a good argument though for for him getting a shot at it uh some snaps early though yeah i mean i i I think i agree with you in terms of like is is you know, Florida State receivers are not receivers I'm targeting in CFF leagues, right? Because it feels like their ceiling is like seven, maybe 800 yards, right? And I'm always kind of shooting for guys that I feel like have a much higher ceiling than that. Um, but you know, if you're getting, if you're able to get him late enough in drafts, I think you know it's it's worth an opportunity. Um, again, because of the spring buzz, I can certainly see that there are going to be more people higher on him than I than or willing to take him much higher than I would for sure. Yeah. What's the quarterback situation behind Travis, right? Because if Travis is gone and they get a more traditional passer, then I might be more inclined to want an FSU receiver. But as, as their offense currently stands, there's just so many plays going towards Travis um, and just the quarterback in general based in the system that it's tough. And they have, they have Brock Glenn there. Um, but Florida State, it, it really feels like to me, ultimately what's going to happen is it's going to be a, a portal destination next year. Yeah, kind I can of, see that. That's kind of the feeling have I a, get. Have a big year, a lot of playoff hype around them. They go to the playoff, they lose or whatever, right? It doesn't even matter at that point. They come into 2024 with a potential gap at quarterback, and who does that fill? Like, well, FSU becomes a pretty enticing option for any yep. legitimate quarterback that wants to move uh move on all right uh last freshman we're going to talk about today william pop watson the third quarterback going to virginia tech he is a 2023 three-star number 43 quarterback in the nation five foot 11 176 pounds enrolled in the spring uh, his spring stats were three completions on four attempts for 49 yards and one touchdown three carries for 27 yards in the spring game. Um, I'll, I'll let you talk about him first since you're the tech guy. Yeah. Uh, first of all, his name, Pop Watson's awesome. His real, like real, real name is William Waverly Watson. The third, I mean, like, how do you not just love that? 
Uh, what's really enticing to me about him is that like he's going to be end of draft type, but he was a pretty big recruit for Tech. I think he was one of the biggest, if not the biggest, recruit of this past cycle. He's not a passer, which I don't care about, but he seems very dynamic. The spring game, he looked great. He had a couple of good running plays that like you could see flashes of like, holy shit, this guy could be pretty good for a rushing quarterback. Um, and he he's super raw. Like he made a really nice pass uh, for that touchdown in the spring game, but even then, you could see there it was pretty raw talent there. So I don't love the the obviously I don't love our offense at Virginia Tech, um, but they're gonna I think I think they're gonna run the quarterback right. Grant Wells ran a decent bit last year. Now, if you have a better runner, how how much fun that could could that be for CFF? Super raw pick, but I think you know if Jared's gonna make me talk about freshmen, I have to take I have to pick one Virginia Tech guy or one of my team's guys to <laughs> to have some fun with it. But I don't know. You're in the area more than I am. Lots of buzz and hype around him just post that game. Do you do you see any appeal here? So um yeah, I mean like so like the words I heard used were like electric. Um, you know, a lot of potential. And you know, I think Tech's not going to be very good this year. And so, at least I don't think so. Um, I would Grant agree. Well, I think Grant, Wells is, Grant Wells is who he is, right? He's a, he's a gunslinger. Um, you know, he's going to look amazing some games and then look putrid other games. That's just – that's been Grant Wells since he was at Marshall. Um, and so, I could see a world at the towards the end of the season – where they, they, they throw this kid out there and get him some playing time, right? I mean, I think a lot of people were, were super high on drones, right? Because he was a high recruit. Um, he has that dual threat ability. Mm-hmm. But the sense or what I've heard is he didn't look that great in the spring. Looked awful. Um, in the spring so, game, at least, looked awful, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I could see a world where, hey, Wells is, Wells is who he is. They throw drones out there at some point, and He's terrible too. And so, you know, towards the end of the year, once you once you get kind of towards those last four games where they're not going to burn his red shirt, throw him out there and see what happens. Um, I could definitely see that. Yeah. Wells looked very good in the spring game. But like, as you said, he's hot and cold, you know, like that's not a weird thing for him to look awesome. So he looked awesome in that game. If he's struggling in the first couple of weeks of this season, which is certainly possible, that and they don't put drones in or even entertain the idea, then I think that kind of tells you, man, maybe Kyron Jones just isn't good. Like, if he can't yeah. beat out a sporadic, if Wells continues to be sporadic and hot and cold, if he can't beat out that Wells, then I'm not concerned about drones in the future for Pop Watson. Um, so I think there's a there's a shot at tech needing to keep keep Watson, right? Like I think there's a real shot at him improving being better and then you know at a certain point it's like well if you're if you're just going to play because wells has another year of eligibility right like if you're just going to play wells again next year and i have to sit through all this then i'll just transfer so i think there's a a shot that they have to kind of appease him and kind of show him that they're gonna you know invest in him a little bit and and in dynasty leagues like i think watson is a great pick towards the end of the drafts because you know Wells is probably gone, right? We don't think Drones is very good. And so, you know, Watson, Watson, you know, could be the starter next year. This is definitely an end of the draft type pick, you know, like 
a little bit of favoritism, obviously, but certainly end of the draft because there is the negatives would be he's pretty small. Um, he is just a three star, but more, most importantly, the offense isn't like super appealing for uh, CFF. You have to have more of like a playmaker to make that. And he kind big. of fits that mold, though, right? But he does kind of fit the mold of like high upside, but he could also be a receiver at ODU in two years. <laughs> Absolutely. You guys Absolutely. love our receivers. So <laughs> I think the only one we've gotten is, oh gosh, what's his name? Um, oh my gosh. Kuma, right? Kuma, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kuma. I felt like there was maybe one more, but I don't know why Kuma stuck with me that much to make me make that kind of. Kuma is the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Um, you guys got Ali Jennings, right? Going from uh, ODU reverse, to yeah. And then you also got a basketball player this year too. Um, yeah. One one other quick mention. We're gonna spend a ton of time on this, obviously, because it's my guy. Uh, Two quarterbacks for the Hokies did transfer out after the spring game. Yep. So, like to me, I think it's very clear that Watson's the QB three, right? Like two guys saw what they saw and said, "All right, I'm out." Like, there's no point in staying. So, slight positive, not a negative by any means. Has Has Bullock landed anywhere yet? I don't think so. Bullock is interesting because he's like, um, he's not really a passer, but he's not like super dynamic rushing. He's just kind of like a good mobile but not like kind of like a hendon hooker in terms of mobile like yeah he'll make a big run but he's not really gonna be maybe what i'm hoping watson could be some some odu folks were when bullock entered the portal i think we recruited him when he was in high school and some folks were like i guess clamoring that maybe we should try and get him again i i was not in that boat but uh yeah i think he's like an fcs guy yeah um or like small local G five type and plays a different position, like a receiver or something. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up the show for today. Uh, once again, please uh, subscribe, uh, leave those five-star reviews, subscribe on YouTube, uh, leave those five-star reviews, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, follow Jared at, at Jared Palmgren on uh, Twitter or, and, and the show at chasing Natty on Twitter. You can, uh, Follow me at justice underscore 2318. Um, I also do IDP work for Campus to Canton at uh, on the Campus to Canton site um, and also on the Debbie IDP Grind podcast where we only talk about college IDP. Chris? That's like a super level of the gen that I just have mad respect for. I don't one day we'll sit, sit down and have a beer and talk about how you got into that, but not. Not today. I just degenerate and I love all of it. Um, follow everybody that just is just mentioned. I think this show is really cool and, and Jared does a good job of keeping it pretty relevant um, and gives you a ton of info, which is always cool. I'm just realist, realist Chris K on Twitter. I don't do anything but give Nate a hard time in Slack. That's pretty much my uh, my job here. And the Burning the Red Shirt podcast. And Burning the Red Shirt podcast. Yeah, we're kind of. We're all from BTR. We're kind of like all in these different areas of life where it's just a little bit challenging to get a consistent routine. But when the season approaches, we'll certainly be way more consistent. And and like the thing I enjoy about your podcast is it, it offers a a different perspective, or you know the, the 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 topics and what you guys discuss are very different than any other you know college fantasy football podcast. And I, I enjoy that. Did you ever watch or listen to? I'm sorry, uh, podcast ain't play nobody. No, a, I it was an old podcast with Stephen Godfrey and that I, I can't 
can't I keep thinking Bill Simmons. It's not Bill Simmons. It's um the guy that created SP Plus. And they had this really cool podcast where they just talked about literally like the most random teams. They like never talked about Alabama or Michigan. They like only talked about like Boise State and Utah State. And I feel like sometimes Andrew and, and Zach and I or like the same thing at a much, much smaller scale. <laughs> well, it, it seems, it, you know, it reminds me of like two or three guys sitting around a bar talking college football. It just, it's so natural. Right. Um, and, and, and I enjoy that aspect of it. Cool. Well, I appreciate that. I know uh, the three of us love having that kind of uh, reputation for sure. So that's going to do it for this week on chasing the natty. And uh, Jared should be back next week. But if not, uh, we will have a show out for you all and hope you enjoy your week. Peace. Thanks, everybody.